0: Welcome to our third week of the Remnant series. We're presently talking about um, the reality of life that we're facing. We now, in our culture, have the status of remnant. And when I use the word remnant, all I mean is a small portion of what used to be. At one point in the history of our country, uh, Christianity probably was actually a majority, and a lot of people... Uh, would call uh, their following of Christ an important aspect of their life. But anymore in our culture, we're pretty much a small uh, part of it. As evidenced by a typical day like this. So in Brookings on a, this, this day, we have about 35, there are 37,000 people in this town if you throw college in there. And we're going to have about five or 6,000 people in church today if you look at the old, overall town, which means about 30,000 are not in church. So what does that tell you about us? We're not in the majority. Most people aren't doing church. It's not even on their mind. It's, it's seen as irrelevant and, and doesn't pertain to them anymore. And so when I use the word remnant, all I mean is we're a small portion of what used to be. And I realized last week, as I talked about being in the margins of our culture, that, that um, a lot of you maybe will understand margins better if I go to some old school examples here. Uh, you, you remember what this is called? paper notepad of paper right most of us use computers anymore we don't we don't use these things well in, in a notepad of paper you have where you, you a, a portion where you write the main body you write the main body of the paper here on the side is called the what that's the margins yes see you're not that old school after all and so when i say we've moved to the margins of culture what i'm saying is we're no longer in the main body of text we're now a, a, a side note or a footnote Uh, on the the page of culture that we find ourselves in. All right, so when I'm using that term, in the margins, I hope you have this picture now and understand what I'm referring to. I have had several conversations this last week where people have said, what do you really mean by remnant? What do you really mean by margins? So now I hope that helps just a little bit. Throughout history, God's people have found themselves at the edges of the cultures uh, that they were in. They weren't the main body of text, so to speak. Uh, They were a footnote or a side note. But in such situations, I think God delights to show himself strong on behalf of the remnant who are faithful in following him. I think he delights in doing that. And so it's not a time of despair. It's not a time to be cynical. It's a time to expect a, a new moving of God, perhaps in a different way. When the church has moved from the center, from a place of positional power, one of the big questions that begins to rise is how are we relevant? How do we talk into a culture that honestly just doesn't care most of the time? And sometimes it's even hostile to the message of, of Jesus Christ. Often what happens is the, an old understanding of church uh, begins to be uh, promoted once again, thinking if we had positional power, if we were in the center body of the text, so to speak, on the page, that we could, didn't speak more authoritatively in the culture. And we get a little upset about not being in the center and sometimes we try to resort to these hardline tactics of stopping feet and getting angry and saying you should be listening to us. But the more we do that, the more irrelevant we're just viewed as. It kind of works against us. Because society honestly just doesn't care by and large. In the margins it's to be discovered that we're not necessarily powerless, it's that power is different. And it's discovered in a different way. Usually, it's discovered by coming underneath the culture, so to speak, and lifting up those things that really matter to God. And in that manner, we become very influential. But it's not usually accomplished by stomping our feet and getting mad and acting like we should be at the main table. It's rather... Being dependent on God and kind of getting underneath culture and really living a holy life dedicated unto the Lord Jesus Christ and just expecting God to move in a mighty way. Steve DeNeff, who I got a lot of the material uh, from for this uh, series of messages, uh, had a great illustration of coming underneath the culture. Here's what he shared. He said he grew up in kind of that old school family. Today we have more of an egalitarian kind of approach to family. Mom and dad kind of do things together. Uh, there's more uh, togetherness and chores and child raising and all that there used to be. It's really healthy, I think it's really good. But back in Steve Day, he noted how his dad kind of was the the classic hardliner who who put the rules down and you did the rules. But his mom quietly came up underneath the kids, he said, and she would quietly instill into him the benefits and virtues of, uh, uh, of doing what is right and following Christ. He said they outgrew their dad. He said, literally, I got bigger than my dad, and his scariness went away. But he said, the older I got, the more influential my mom became in my life, because she got underneath me, and she got into my heart, into my soul, and instilled the ways of God in me in that way. Here's what I think is happening in us as as a nation. There may have been a day when we could stop and snort and be hardliners and scare people into maybe... Some form of morality maybe i 'm going to say that maybe those days are far gone. We as a nation have outgrown that just there 's no fear of god there 's no fear of that kind of hardline approach the The dad approach that Steve denef experienced won 't work in our culture, but what will work is his mom 's approach if we kind of come up underneath culture we live lives that are exemplary you know we love god and we love jesus and we're following hard after him that's what i mean by being an example it's not that we're perfect people we're forgiving people we're going to make lots of mistakes but we're on fire for jesus christ and we're readily following him with no apology and we're telling others this is such a good life this is a great life come join me i I invite you into experiencing something that's fantastic that's beyond what you can do on your own you know we begin to invite them into something that we're experiencing ourselves. It's more of a coming underneath culture. You see what I'm saying here? Rather than coming at culture. Yeah, I think that's where God has us for a time such as this. Which brings us to this introductory thought this morning. In the margins, you're going to have to get underneath culture and quietly live a holy life. This will lead then to true power and true influence. I think it's the version of Steve F's mom's rule versus dad's rule and that old school kind of approach maybe to family life. Um, we have to live for God. I can't, ex- I can't encourage you enough the importance of this right now. We have to show the others what it really looks like to be fanatically in love with Jesus Christ. And then we have to say, you can have this too. And we have to invite them into that experience with us. Now, with this perspective, I think we're ready to dive into the question of how are we relevant in a culture that says we're irrelevant? It's a hotly debated topic, I think, in Christian circles. How do we become relevant to a culture that is disinterested at times towards Christ and God's people and at times are adamantly against us? How do we have relevance? See, society says that church is irrelevant right now. And if you don't believe me, then I just ask you one simple question. Why are most of them not in church on a given Sunday? Why are most of them not following God? Our temptation is to think then, I want to be relevant. I want to be in culture. I want to have ability to speak in the culture. And it's a natural tendency to feel like I want to count. So maybe what I need to do is become a little bit like culture so I can speak to culture. Yes, depending, right, on how you do that and what you really are, are, are taking in. I think what happens is we have two things that are at odds with each other in times like this. One is our tendency to maybe want to be popular, want to be heard, want to be in the center of the notepad, right? But maybe what we're called to be instead is to be a prophetic voice that's needed in this culture at this time. Now, I got to explain what I mean by the word prophetic here, because as soon as I use that word, some of you jump to Old Testament prophets and you think prophetic means I stand in the corner someplace and scream damnation down on culture. Thus saith the Lord, you're going to burn. Repent, turn, you know, that's kind of the classic understanding of, of the prophetic kind of side of the Bible. But when I use the word prophetic, what I'm saying and inferring more is more along the lines of this. We are living unashamed lives for Jesus Christ holy, set-apart lives for Jesus Christ. We are noticeably different than the rest of culture. We don't need recognition. We don't need ego stroking. We don't need to be the center of attention all the time. We don't need to be told how great we are. We are living on fire for Jesus Christ, it's evident. And because of that, we begin to have a voice that's underneath culture, that's beginning to show that there's really a difference in following God and not following God. That's what I mean by having a prophetic voice that speaks into culture. And so when I use the word prophetic today, this is the inference, all right? You getting what I'm saying here? So now what I want to do is look at, I think, the two choices that face the church right now. If we want to be relevant to the culture we find ourselves in, we can either try to go down the road of popularity or we can go down maybe the road of having a prophetic calling that's hitting a need of culture. So I call this the choice. Relevance can be sought through popularity or by having a prophetic voice. Now when I use the word relevant, I just simply mean pertaining to the times. We can speak to our times most clearly by either thinking it's By popularity or by having a prophetic voice? Jeremiah reveals that one of these ways is right, one of these ways is wrong. I'm going to read to you some of his text from Jeremiah chapter 10 verses 1 through 12 and then spend the rest of the morning talking on that. But listen to what he says because he's really talking about trying to approach culture from a popularity understanding or approaching culture from a prophetic understanding. So here we go. Listen to this word from Jeremiah. Chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. Hear what the Lord says to you, people of Israel. This is what the Lord says. Do not learn the ways of the nations or be terrified by signs in the heavens, though the nations are terrified by them. For the practices of the people are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nail, so it will not totter like a scarecrow in a cucumber field. Their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them. They can do no harm, nor can they do any good. No one is like you, Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. Who should not fear your king of the nations? This is your due. Among all the wise leaders of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is no one like you. They are all senseless and foolish. They are taught by worthless wooden idols. Hammered silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Uphaz, What the craftsmen and goldsmith have made is then dressed in blue and purple, all made by skilled workers. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God, the eternal king. When he is angry, the earth trembles. The nations cannot endure his wrath. Tell them this. These gods who did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. But God made the earth by his power. He founded the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heavens by his understanding. So get this now. In Jeremiah's time, the popular way was to make your own God. And he dismantles that in this text to us. I think in our age too, guess what the popular way is? To make your own God. And so what he says here, I think, pertains to us. Um, And so I want to walk through with you for a few moments uh, the wrong way, first of all. And that's the way of popularity. That's succumbing then to culture around you when I mean succumbing when I say succumbing culture around you I mean this is adjusting to and adopting the cultural value system around you without really thinking about what does it mean what's it implying what's it what's behind it Jeremiah basically says to 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 the people of his time and he's saying it to us too just because everybody does it doesn't mean you should do it doesn't make it right doesn't make it good doesn't make it solid doesn't make it even sound It's a temptation when we feel left out, when we feel like we've been pushed to the margins here and we're on the sidebar of the page or on the footnote to feel like, you know what, maybe I need to adopt more of what's going on around me and adjust to it so that at least I feel a little bit more relevant. This happens to us, I think, more than we realize. And Jeremiah then dismantles the popular practice of his time of idol worship. There's a lot for us to learn here as he does this dismantling. And so I want to talk about how he dismantles the, 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 the popular practice of the nations around Israel at that time and was the common custom of the peoples of that time. It was just popular. You've got to get this. It was popular what he's talking about here. It was fashionable. It was the in thing to do. It was the smart people that did this kind of thing, okay? But, but let's look at how he dismantles this. First of all, he says it's personal and that's wrong. And what I mean by it's personal and that's wrong is that the idol was shaped by a craftsman per a customer's request. So here they are having this God of their own making. It was a God of their own fabrication. And Jeremiah points out, listen, when you get all said and done with this, this puppy came from the trunk of a tree. It can't speak, it can't do anything, it's not even good enough hardly to be a scarecrow in a cucumber patch. There's a lot of sarcasm there. Okay, okay. I don't know if you have a cucumber patch. I don't even know why you put a scarecrow in a cucumber patch. But, you know, he, he's being a little sarcastic here when he says, it's like a scarecrow in a cucumber patch. It's worthless. It, it, can't, it can't do anything. Okay? Secondly, it's portable, he's saying, as he dismantles uh, this common religiosity of his day. he said it's portable um it can't speak it has to be carried it, it, you it can't go anywhere in fact you got to nail it down so it doesn't fall over so you carry it to where you want to go and you set it down and then you know then then your god is with you and if you don't want your god to go with you you just leave it there and you go without it okay it, it's portable and, and and but it can't do anything on its own and lastly when he's talking about The common idol practice of the day and dismantling. He said it's very domesticated. Basically, it can do you neither good nor harm. It's it's pretty mundane and powerless. It's tame and it's manageable. It's domesticated. Now, as I was reading through this uh, dismantling by Jeremiah of the common religious approach in this day, I I, I thought, man, this insight just popped into my mind. People are religious even if it's really wrong. And they're prone to worship something. This just who we are. Because we're created in the image of our Father, and we're, uh, God, right? And we're created to, to worship him. So if we're not worshiping God, we'll worship something. And in Jeremiah's day, they were making these idols to carry around and worship them. In our day, it's sports, or it's academics, or it's uh, movie star, or it's uh, A certain body type, or it's a career. But we worship something, but we are going to worship. We're just prone to do it, which is something that should give us some hope, even in a culture far gone from God. We know people have this bent to want to connect with God. We face some of the same pull today towards popularity that the people in Jeremiah's day faced. It's not really all that different from classic idol worship. Our culture, get this, now follow this with me. Our culture is definitely into a personal God, a God of their own making. Listen to people talk today. This is what I believe about God. This is how my God should be. It's a definite bent in the culture of our day to have this personal God of their own making. Modern religion is very portable too. It's carried to certain places and not carried to other places, depending on the user and what they want to do. It's not, uh, it's, it, it's, it's not an understanding that God is everywhere and always dictates life. It's rather my religion goes where I want it to go, and it doesn't go where I don't want it to go. i tell you what, that's not biblical. There's no such thing in the Bible as sacred and secular. Everything everywhere is God. There is no secular or sacred, okay? I don't even like that terminology. I use it some, but it's not how the Christians ever live their life. And so much of modern spirituality is so very, very domesticated. The user's in charge. It does them no harm, does them no good. Very domesticated, very tame. So being relevant doesn't mean we join in with that kind of group of people, you know, and say, we want to have a voice at the table, so we're going to kind of sacrifice a bunch of stuff just so we can have a voice at the table. Huh? uh We don't do that. We don't do that. We're called to be peculiar and unique and dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's talk about the right way for just a few moments. The right way is being prophetic. Being prophetic. This is interacting with culture according to what is needed. This is being prophetic. Interacting with culture according to what is needed. I love what Jeremiah does here in his uh, you know, writing to the people of Israel. First of all, he dismantles the, the, the popular approach to religion of their day, the fabrication of an idol that's personal, portable, and domesticated. And then he just can't help it. He gets to this moment, he just begins to worship God. Do you notice that? Your name is mighty in power. No one is like you, God. Who should not revere you? King of the nations, there is no one like you. The Lord is true God, the living God, the eternal God, God who made heaven and earth. He's having a worship moment and he's bearing out witness that there's really only one true God. He's being prophetic. If we want to be relevant to our times, if we want to be a remnant of faithful people, though we find ourselves, honestly, here in the margins, right, then you know what we have to do with listen to Jeremiah. What was he saying to pe- telling the people to do? He was saying basically this, and this is the, the, the right relevance. Um, he said, return to God as he is. He's not a personal God of your own making. He's not a portable God. He's not a domesticated God. Return to God as he is. First of all, he's the opposite of, of, quote, a personal God of your making. He's sovereign. He's sovereign over everything. He's beyond us. He's over the nations. He is indescribably large. He's creator and sustainer. There's nothing small and manageable about him. Are you seeing this? He's not some portable idol that we carry to us and use when convenient and then, oh, I don't think I want to do the religious thing today, so I'm going to leave you here, God. I'm going to go over here and do my life. God, I'm going to live over here in a job It's secular. You don't do anything over here. Now I'm going to come to church. Okay, that kind of supposed to be sacred, so I'm going to do the Christian thing. No, God isn't divisible like that. He's God everywhere, all the time, in all places, in every way. The question becomes, how then will we live for him wherever we find ourselves? Amen? And that's what I mean by coming up and underneath culture and living this quality, holy life that's dedicated to God no matter where we are. He's not domesticated. God's terrifying at times. When people would encounter him, they'd fall down dead. They'd be so terrified. Knees would shake and bones would rattle. They'd be so terrified. He's untamed and awesome. He's creator. He's sustainer. He's able to do more than we can imagine or hope for. He's a dispenser of every good and perfect gift. He is perfect himself in all ways. He's the one who moves mightily and the faithful remnant who seek his face wholeheartedly. So if we, the remnant, will truly seek God as he is, if we'll truly let him set the agenda as he desires, If we'll truly be in charge of our lives, I think this will be the result. We'll become a relevant community living as they ought. Affecting culture from the underneath with a prophetic illumination from God. People, when they see us and how we live life and do life, they'll understand and hear the voice of God a little bit. Now when I talk about relevance, there's two considerations I want you to ponder with me concerning relevance, because this is important to get. Two considerations concerning and regarding relevance when I use this term today. Listen to this. When you change what you should not change, and do not change what you should change, you are irrelevant. So if we as the people of God Change what we should not change, the basic doctrines of the Christian faith. If we begin to give in on those, if we begin to say there are many ways to God, and we're unwilling to say there's only one way to God, that's through Jesus Christ, when we begin to change what we should never change, and then we don't change what we ought to change, methodology speaking in the culture technique whatever and we begin to change that but we uh, but we don't uh, you know but we we change the wrong things here we become very quickly irrelevant now get this when you change what you should change and do not change what you should not change you are essential i want to speak just a moment from my heart listen If we don't face the reality that we're a remnant in our culture, we're not going to get an approach that we need to get. We need to become missional to our culture now. Because we are not the majority. Those days, if they were ever really here, are far gone. So if you were going to go to Indonesia, if you were going to go to Cambodia as a missionary, you would go there and you would become a student of culture. You would begin to understand how to speak their language, how to understand their cultural customs, so that you could speak the language of Christ clearly and distinctly in a way that they will understand. We are in a mission field here. And we need to begin to change things that ought to be changed. We need to begin to study our culture and say, how do I speak clearly to a culture far gone from God? Where well, they don't have Christian needs. They don't understand the language. And we need to change. We need to change how we present in that regard. But we cannot alter the message. The message is this, we're saved with Jesus Christ, amen? Nothing added, nothing taken away. We have to become Jesus freaks in a good way. We have to be focused on that, never giving in, never giving up on that part of the message, ever. Look around town, there's a lot of churches that have given up on that part of the message. They've changed what you should never change, and they're not changing things, they ought to change. When we tell people, you've got to come to church and do it like we did it 100 years ago, or it doesn't count, we're not changing the right things. And when we change the message, we're changing the wrong things. We become irrelevant then. But if we change what ought to be changed and not change what should never be changed, we're what? Essential. Think on that. I want to spend a few moments as I close out today just uh, connecting us to God. Because I think if we're going to be the people of God, faithful remnant, who are in the margins of culture, if we want to be relevant, then we have to have honest connection with God. We have to begin to really touch the Father's heart and let his heart touch us. So this last summer as we went through the Lord's Prayer, guess what that was all about, if you were here this summer? Connection with God that's authentic and honest and true that changes us and changes how we look at life and how we look at God. So what I want to do this morning as a close out moment of the message and then we're going to finish with a song today, is pray through the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, our Father with you, once again. And then we're going to recite the Lord's Prayer together um, as as a final moment, at least in the message. So would you just bow your head, and, and I'm just going to pray the, the Lord's Prayer, but I'm going to use it as a, a tool to return to God for as he is, okay, to help us see that this morning. So bow your head with me as I pray. Our Father, that label Father God means that you're intimate with us, in relationship with us, it's a family term, Lord, so we understand if we say our Father, you're not a remote, distant God, you're surely not a God hewn from a tree trunk, but you're the living God, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, I think in our culture, we're gonna stand out as essentially different if we just hallow your name, if we lift your name up on high because you're mighty in power, you're king of the nations, you're creator and sustainer, we worship you, we acknowledge you, we, we understand you're loving and perfect and just and powerful and all-knowing, you do have no beginning or no end. So we, as your people, we need to live lives that hollow your name. Your kingdom come, Lord, your will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we need to be a surrendered people to you, not seeking our will, but seeking your will. Through you and you alone, Lord, will any relevance ever be experienced in life. So the more we're connected with you, God, and the more we return to you, the more we'll become essential to our culture and more relevant in terms of having a prophetic voice. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, we understand by this declaration that we are utterly dependent upon you. If you were to remove your spirit, Lord, we would cease to be... Help us to live our lives, Lord, understanding how utterly dependent we are on you. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. God, we praise you that as surrendered, dependent followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, you wash our sins away as far as the east is from the west. In those areas, Lord, where even today we might be struggling with something, whether it be thought, word, or deed, I pray that you would do a work of renewal in us the best gift we can give to culture, I think, at times, is just to be a regenerated, washed follower, who's who's not necessarily perfect, but's forgiven and redeemed, showing what that really looks like. And Lord, we're to forgive, uh, we're to uh, forgive others uh, who sin against us, Lord. And I understand the reason for that is because if we don't, we're in captivity, enslaved by that unforgiveness and bitterness and resentfulness and uh, vengeance-seeking, Lord. And I really think if we're an unforgiving people, Lord, we have just stepped into the realm of being irrelevant. We will not have a voice into our culture. It'll be just justification for someone not to believe in you. So I pray that we would be truly willing to forgive others, Lord Jesus, because retaliation is just ugly business, and it does take us to that place of irrelevancy. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, we step into your provision where you have said, there's no temptation but what is common, and you will provide a way of escape. And so I pray for all of us as we face the various temptations of a culture that basically ignores you or is hostile to you, that when temptation comes, God, we would step into that way of escape and not succumb to the culture around us. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen.